Welcome into the Bound Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Wiley McDonald. I'm going to do a little bit of solo pod. Then we want to try to get a guest over the holidays. I'm going to kind of do a quick kind of mini MVP second. I'm not going to do a full ballot, but I think three guys have kind of separated themselves right now. I'm going to run through that. I'm going to get my all-star startled for each conference right now. And... I'm going to do a little rant about positioning because I have to, it's who I am, and then wrap up the show by talking some Chicago boards. There's, there's a really weird season going on, and in a lot of ways, total opposite of last year or so. We'll talk about that, maybe some trade options for them, and that'll be the show, so let's get into it. All right, just to do like another quick MVP second. I know I did one a couple of weeks ago with a full ballot. Not going to do that this time. There are three guys that kind of want to focus on that I feel have kind of separated themselves as we flowed in on the halfway point. Still a couple of weeks away from that. But I had Jason Tatum, number one, in my last MVP second. I'm going to stick with him. He would the uh, Lead or the bomb tent to our poll for ESPN that does like a that's kind of section on where potential MVP voters are, where they're leaning at certain points of the year. Tatum was number one in that. Um, I think we have to mention the Boston media with him. If he didn't the wanting, even if he's not the favorite or had the best case, he could definitely win the award. We kind of Saw Marcus Smart kind of steal a defensive player of the year, in my opinion, last year, in large part due to the Boston media. And Tatum, they've been he been great. You'll have you'll probably have the best player on the best team argument. And you know, the kind of those tweets and posts going around about how he had really dominated the other MVP candidates that he gotten to go up against. He clearly outplayed Giannis on Christmas Day in the big stage. That was kind of the big game for the NBA on probably the biggest regular season day for games, Christmas. So a lot of people were watching. A lot of people saw him outplay Giannis, who is the consensus best player in the world right now. So that's big for him. I think he got to be in the top three. I don't know if I would have him number one still, but he got to be top three, I feel like. And then... We got Kevin Durant, the other guy. I was just looking at his basketball weapon page. I, I think his numbers are more ridiculous than I even kind of realized they were. 30 points per game, shooting 62.6% from two-point with it's crazy. 37 from three, really good. 56% from the field overall, that's ridiculous. He'd, he just can do whatever he wants out there, and he... Any way he wants to push the ball on the hoop, he can do it. He can do it efficient, efficiently. I think uh, there was kind of that little bit where him and Giannis were kind of who the best player in the world like a year or two ago to kind of that argument. And it seemed like Durant just hasn't been able to stay on the floor enough to make a legit argument. But he's able to stay on the floor and continue this into the playoffs. Like, I know that no one is allowed to question if Giannis is the best player or not right now, but Dwayne can stay on the floor. I think 
that's a conversation. I think the only reason why really torn into Giannis being the clear player over Durant is because Durant couldn't stay on the floor with valid, with valid arguments, but Giannis, Giannis is definitely number one for me, but Durant has been a monster than that. Probably the best team in the league for the month of December. We'll see how they quote it out. They probably still have two or three more games, but they're chilly, you know. They seem to have Kyrie under control for now. Obviously, could change any moment. Quaction is kind of a sweeper, sweeper for defensive player of the year, in my opinion. Uh, I don't know if he would be like on my top three ballot right now, but definitely a guy that deserves honorable mention for that. They have shooters. They have good defensive players. Ben Simmons obviously a huge wild card, and I do think they have the pieces to make a trade. They have Joe Harris, who makes about eighteen million. He could get um in the salary ballpark of a lot of different types of players. Uh, I might mention one of their players later on the podcast, but they have him. They have a future seventy six first round pick, but it might be kind of intriguing to some teams. You'd, you know the Kind of some bud that the 76 would lose this year in the playoff in embarrassing fashion again that Embiid might want out. And then if that's the case, I feel like any future 76 would pick it. You don't want what you don't want that. And then, yeah, and then they have Young Guy, they have Sharp, they have Cashew Edwards, they have uh, Cam Thomas. It's kind of, they could throw in one or two of those guys just to kind of up the pack a little bit, maybe bump the salary up a little bit. But they're a team that I think if they make the right trade, they could put themselves in that Boston-Milwaukee too. I know Milwaukee kind of struggled at late. Boston had kind of slowed down too. But those are still the top two teams in the East, in my opinion. If you're not one of those two teams, you'll probably have to prepare for the fact of beating both of them in the playoffs. And the Nets, if they make the right trade, point in – I don't really know who it, that guy is off the top of my head. I don't I have a few candidates. I don't know if any of the guys that I'm thinking about really fully push them in that tier, but they can somehow get the white guy, maybe a 3 and D guy, maybe add some more size. They lack rebounding a lot. That kind of one big four right now. Um, we have to watch out for the book and that's for sure. Okay, everyone knows I have to do it. Nikola Jokic has to be in the top three. He has to be. Honestly, if you put a water gun to my head and say I have to pick one who to be number one right now, I might pick Nikola Jokic. He's been incredible. His Nuggets number one in the West, by the way. But Jamal Moy not playing very well yet. Still trying to find his feet. Porto been out of the lineup. Aaron Gordon been a monster ass for sure, but Nuggets being number one in the West, this is no longer, uh, well, he's the shit sheet. Oh, he won two left games in the Bucs. He, oh, he won two left games in the 76 or the, they can't, he can't be an MVP candidate. No, this is number one seed in, in the West. I always thought that argument of him winning two yet left games and Giannis and the bead was really lame. And yeah, the, that argument that can't be a thing anymore. He's the number one seed in the West. Doubting 25 points per game. 11 rebound, 9.4 says We don't need to go through the advanced stats. We all know he'd write the advanced stat darling. They all love him. Even the defensive ones, but I agree, don't accurately reflect how good he is on that end. But 
this way with back though with saying a hit podcast people that don't want to put him number one on the ballot it can't be because well i'm sure it's they still don't do it. But I don't want to hear that I just didn't want to vote for him because he had two in a row. I don't want to give him three. He only made the conference final once, whatever. We need to do more in the playoffs. Like, and I get that will probably be the case. And even if he had, uh, had the best case, which he had the last two years, he might not be able to win it the third year in a row. And like I said with Mikey and my MVP preview that we did going into the season, I think there's a decent chance that Jokic is the best player in terms of game one through game 82 of the regular season. And he done it with MVP because of voter fatigue. I think we might even be heading towards that outcome, honestly. But if they're the number one seed, he had monster numbers, then he, he can't be lower than third right now. But I honestly, I would have him above Tatum for sure. I think Jokic and KD are kind of the top two. You can put them in any order you want. But right now, I think they're the clear-cut top three guy, Jokic, Durant, Tatum, and Nuggets. Some people might point at their 24-point defense. I think it would at least that a couple of days day ago on Christmas. Maybe they move up or down a little bit since then, but I might have a trade in my next segment that might help them with that, but yeah, the, I don't really want to heal any Jokic, anyone but Jokic, Durant, and Tatum at the MVP favorite right now. I mean, one of those three guys that had to be it, Julio Cut. So the, let's kind of run through some all-star startled before we get into the board's trade talk. Okay, I'm going to run through my all-star started pretty quickly. I don't have any stats. I don't have the team record pull up. Um, just some kind of, I do want to do a whole segment with a guest where we kind of go through our start or then with Joel. We'll probably do that in a few weeks when we get closer to the full roster coming out. And like I said, I just want to do a quick check, a little port check on all-star starter. I do want to do a little positioning where why can't the East starter just be Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Giannis, and Joel Embiid? Like, why? I understand. Like, I think there's still people that, like, defend the whole position thing. What What's the argument for why can't those five guys play together? Like, you, do they not think it would work well together? Do they think those five guys don't can't fit on the court because Tatum and Dwight and Giannis and the beat are really tall players? Or, I don't know, they're all very skilled. They all have perimeter skilled. I, I think those five guys have clearly separated themselves, and it's a bummer that one numbered. Don't have to be a job and not be a starter. I don't know how much the players really care about that, but just from my point of view, I think it's kind of ridiculous that one of those guys out of now has to come off the bench in this game. So I'm I'm a bit of a Tyrese Howard Borton fan of the Nets. I love Tyrese Howard Borton. He would probably be the first or second guy I would list as the guy that needs to be a job, but not knocking him at all. But I just think those five guys separate themselves. I am going to put Howie Bourne in at a starter with Mitchell in the backcourt, and then I'm going to move. I guess it has to be in B to the bench so I can start Tatum, KD, and Giannis together. And like I said, the, they're up to me, and B would be starting, and Howie Bourne would be coming off the bench. So, yeah, that's a little positioning lamb. I don't have to hear me do it when we do all NBA at some point, too. Um, for the West, 
Uh, I think Corey and AD, did you mention? I'm just not going to put them on. Just because I think by the time the starter get announced, it would have missed too much time. So I didn't really include them. I went Luca, SGA, Zion, LeBron, and Jokic. I think those five guys. I really wanted to put Lowry on there. Uh, love what he's doing in Utah. Miss him on the boards really bad right now, but it would have been like Luca, SGA, LeBron, Zion, Jokic. That was pretty clear cut. I think all these are. It would honestly a lot easier than I thought we were going to be going into. I thought I don't sit down and make some real time to kind of split hairs. But, I mean, they were kind of feel that 10 guide. And for the same thing, that must have been an issue in the West. But, yeah, the, I think I'm really excited for the All-Star game this year. My guy, Brett, who's been on the show a few times, I've been pushing on Twitter about expanding the roster to 15 guys and, I mean, what to do for that, too. The roster is just loaded with guys on each side. There's going to be two or three guys from each conference cut that would have been, like, locks, if not maybe even startled if they were playing, like, 10 years ago and the talent would water down a lot. So definitely will be interesting to see who makes the roster this year. Okay, let's do some Chicago Bulls talk to wrap up the podcast. Uh, just to do a corn stay. I don't. The only way one thing I want to talk about in terms of the on-court product, I guess, too, is the lineup of Io Deshumu, Zach Levine, Demar Derozan, Patrick Williams, Nikola Vucevic. The starting lineup that was our starting lineup to start the season probably kept it together too long. Uh, been the starting lineup the last couple of games. With uh, I was cool so out, and I know I had the Buddle Beetle and against Atlanta, and we got that big win in New York playing that starting lineup. But it, it's statistically one of the worst lineups in the NBA, and I am so done with it. And last night they got, I'm recording this on a Tuesday, they got fucking rocked by the Houston Rockets, who are the worst team in the Western Conference. That. The Houston Rockets started rock the Chicago Bulls started in that five-man group. And I don't really care that group showed out. Start Kobe White. Start Dragas. Um, Io just need to come off the bench. I'm, I like Io. I do still think he had a war on this team coming off the bench. But, and I don't think it hit far the lineup and it worked. I don't really even know who far it is. It's kind of crazy. You put out Caruso in and... And that would be in the world impact with Williams, Vucevic. That's one of the best lineups in the NBA. And then the lineup of Io, Caruso, Levine, the world, and Vucevic. That is not one of the best lineups in the NBA, but it's, I believe, a plus 5.4 net rating the last time I checked. Like, that's a good lineup. That's a really good lineup, especially for not having Bondo Ball in there and probably not being one of your best lineup, really, but yeah, I, did, I don't know. I don't think anyone fought, really, but for some reason, those five guys that can't play together, I'm sure they're still going to be starting in that game because Billy seemed to like that group for some reason, but start Kobe White, start Koran Dragic, I'm betting you Billy Diamond. Take Io out of the starting lineup. That's nothing against Io again, but that lineup does, does not work. And Kobe even playing pretty well, actually. 
I think him and Patrick Williams have been kind of the two lone boy spots for most of the heat. And then I think he did do overlook in the starting lineup. Um, the other thing, the board are now 14 and 19. Last year with this whole thing, we could only beat bad teams. We couldn't beat good teams. The board are 11 and 11 against team currently at or above 500. Doing exactly even better than what you would expect for this team. Like, I was expecting this team to be a 7 or 8 seed going into the year, really. And with Lando not playing and Levine not being himself, I've kind of, that kind of goal. Like, I know I said with Steve that if Lando and Levine are fully healthy, they should be a 4 or 5 seed, maybe 6. But without those two, they should still be 7 or 8. And when they play the good teams, after, I feel like that's what they're doing, if not better. Like, they're 5 points against their teams. They beat the Celtics twice. They beat the Bucks. Like, on a night-to-night basis, they have looked good against some team. They beat the Brooklyn Nets as they were starting to get going. So, I mean, then we are 3-8 and eight against Team Blow 500. If you're bad at math like I am, the, they just play at the level of competition every night. When they play a good team, they either beat them or lose at the end of the game, when they play a bad team, they just lose. And it's a bummer. Like like I said, uh, they just, I don't know if they're not taking these guys seriously or what it is, but it, they've done their job against the good teams, like I said. 11-11 with Mondo being out and Levine not being out of percent and the watch before I did the, honestly exactly what you're hoping for and maybe even the best case scenario and it's a major bummer. Like, I know this team had gotten really unlucky with the three-point shooting luck and kind of unlucky at the end of some quest games. Even that luck had maybe came around a little bit with the Atlanta-New York games. But this team, man, like, it's, it's just weird. It's, I feel like they're right there. And it's, at some point, you just are what your record said you are. And that I've been, I'm still hanging on by a thread. That I feel like, like if they just took some of these bad teams more seriously, they're probably above 500 right now, and they have one of the easiest schedule left in the league, and it would be like they'll be in great shape. And it's that's mind-boggling that the and it's it just like I said last year, they couldn't beat any good team, and that would what people are saying going into, they're not going to be any good team this year. And they're actually doing that. And the, the, whatever reason, it's the bad team they can't handle. And maybe it's the bad lineups, like I mentioned, or I don't know what the deal is. But in terms of trades, um, I'd like to reiterate, the Chicago board don't have any incentives to blow the team up in season. I honestly think in terms of like them getting – the best return in trades. I think, honestly, it might be easier to get a bigger return for Levine or DeRozan in the offseason when teams have more flexibility and can to make those big all-star trades that we kind of see happen in the offseason more, like the what we saw with Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, and Deontay Moy, who I don't know if the board can get any of those returns with the way Levine, they've been playing since his knee injury. The world didn't only have one year left on the contract after next year. 
if the white team played for him, though, I think they can be confident in resigning him. But, yeah, I mean, I think the board should be taking card at this point. And I don't think they should just be like, would it take the best offer at the end of the day and move on once our hand of this mess? Um, I don't think they should do that. If teams are only offering 75, 80 cents on the dollar because they think you're going to blow it up anyways, then take it into the offseason and just do the best you can during the rest of the heat and win a mini game, maybe sneak into the play in. But that that would be my thing. The, if the board had the worst record in the NBA at the end of the season, it's really unlikely at this point. They Even if they full blown start tanking yesterday, it, I don't think they would get to that point. And if, even if they did, it would have a less than 50% chance of keeping our full strong draft pick. So, I don't, I don't guarantee the incentive to, to take the best trade off at the end of the day. I will say it, teams are willing to give us a fair value, willing to maybe even overpay. No, I feel like Atlanta overpaid for Deontay Moy. The, I think the Cavs, even though he really fits their timeline and it's looking really good for him, I think that's from a pure like, value standpoint, they slightly overpaid for Diamond Mitchell. The Timberwood obviously overpaid for Gobert. The board overpaid for this for this. I have to think in these kind of move will I mean I know you the being in the world and when those guys get moved, team this this team like you have to overpay to get a guy like that in the trade and if a team is willing to overpay for one or both of those guys, even in season, I think the board should do it. And I just think that's how it should be. I think Fusbis and Caruso are kind of the other two interesting trade guys. I don't really they do have Duagas, uh, Devontae Green, Jail Sean Jr., and Andre Drummond, who are on essentially all minimum contrast and could kind of be thrown into a trade with uh, Levine, Caruso, DeRoe, Dino, Vucevic, that kind of a, a team probably not to give up some depth to get one of those guys, one of those guys, and one of the minimum guys for the board and kind of help replace that depth, maybe, maybe passing with that second fourth round draft pick or maybe that young guy that you kind of like a little easier or so. Those are kind of the guys that I'll watch out for. I'm going to list one team for each of the four prime trade candidates to maybe keep an eye out for. And uh, Io, Patrick, and Dalen Terry, I don't want to move at all. And the way Kobe's playing, I'm honestly not against winning it back. No matter which way we go, whether we keep the group together and try to improve on the fly or if we go young and we build, he's still pretty young. I know it'll be a second contract. Uh, I mean, we've seen with this team, I've ranted on the hoops, social post about how the board of 30th and three-point attempt weight. And if we go rebuilding, we always need uh, you need a shooter out there with the young guys if we try to bounce back and make it the playoff again next year with some move around to Martin or you know, Levine and Lando are back at 100% maybe, then I kind of want Kobe back on them for that side too. To, we need to shoot in. So I would keep him unless, uh, I guess, unless a team that blowed away with blowed us away with an awful, but I don't think that will happen with Kobe. So just kind of one through this list I made. Uh, team to watch out for. Uh, Levine, he's a clutch guy. It's, it has to be the Lakers. And they, 
people say they only have the two fourth round pick. If they put the two fours, they can do two swaps. The Max Christie, the young guy, he's young guy, he was a second round pick for him this year. He been he looks like he's gonna be a solid three and D guy in the league. Throw him in the trade. Uh, they actually have Stoddy Pippen Jr., Stoddy Pippen's son, who looks really good in summer league and in preseason, not really in the rotation right now, but throw him in the trade too, and I I think that might be something, honestly. And it might seem kind of light, but with given the beans knee injury, we would get two fours and uh two protected or two swaps, sorry. Um especially from the Lake Woods. I think I would do it. And I don't love the Lakers pick unless it's some people. I think, you know, they got LeBron when the team was her dumpster fire. Even if they were dumpster fire in three or four years, they could easily point at Luca or Embiid or whoever the Nets kind of superstar who'd become available. So, but that's because he's a clutch guy with Paul either they didn't, uh, they just have to be the team mentioned for him. And the Lakers, I think they're going to try to get another star at some point. To play with LeBron and AD. Um, I'll do Al Caruso next. I think the team to watch out for with him is the Nuggets. Uh, like I said, the Nuggets are for 24th in defense. And the Al Caruso, they're just a great job creating chaos on the perimeter of that. I think he'll make life a lot easier on that defense. And like I said, I think Jokic gets too much hate on defense, but He's not, he by no means like a guy that I don't know just bail you out defensively consistently in the playoffs. And who showed the guy that could come in, could probably even quote game for him. And it really smart Carter to play off Jokic. He, like I said, he just creates a lot of chaos in the perimeter. It will take a lot of pressure off Jokic and everyone else on that defense. And Jamal Moore and Bone Highland are kind of two guards right now. I know they have some good wind on defense like KCP and Bruce Brown, but throwing out Caruso in that lineup, going to that rotation, sorry, with Moy and Bone Hyden, I think would really helpful for them too. And he can guard big old forwards too, which could help Michael Porter Jr. taking push off him. So I think the Nugget have one fourth round pick in play that might be 2026 or 2027. But uh, Jeff Green gets their salary wise. So Jeff, Jeff Green in the fourth round pick. What cool show? I think it's a pretty interesting offer, honestly. Especially going a few years in the bands, which I it seemed like Jokic is pretty loyal, but that little playoff one out, and that little Michael Porter or Jamal Moy injury might get tired and want to get out of there. So, again, any team that had a superstar that might be one or two playoff series at a uh, short playoff one at this away from being like one out here, I, I'm down toward the dice on a fourth round pick from in a few years from that team and uh Busevis, uh that though mentioned this team and the book of nest for me and you know everyone would kind of scoff at the defense oh Busevis can't play defense the he I think he's better at defense than he got quite as full and he's a veteran that haven't done anything in the playoffs and he's on a spiraling deal I don't I actually don't know how much of a market it'll be him for him in free agency, and I think he'll fall in line in that. I think he'll be okay with not starting or not quoting. Maybe he did one dope thing sometime. Maybe he did neither of them, but I think he'll be okay with that, and he 
I mean, he don't want to prove that he can contribute to a contender. He, not, I hate to be like the body language police, but he's, body language has been terrible on the board for the last couple of weeks. So I think he want to get out of, I mean, he'll be okay to leave Chicago to go to a contender. And he is, the board have been an elite defensive rebounding team since we acquired Vucevic, almost exclusively because of Vucevic. He played in a ton of lineups with four guards, three guards, you know, three or four small guys out there, and he did ease up the board. The next, I think the one we're getting right now rebounding, he would help with that. He'd also, him and Simmons could kind of one the bench unit. Maybe you have Kyrie out there, if you're staggering Kyrie and KD, that lineup I feel like would hold up pretty well offensively, at least, while Durant's on the bench. And, yeah, it is. Joe Harris, uh, the 76 old first-round draft pick, and you want to throw a young guy like Sharp or someone like that in there, I think that makes a lot of sense. So that would be kind of team walking out for with Booze. I understand that people just don't say that why would a team plan to win the playoff one in, but I, like I said, I think he would fall in line and be okay with not being out there with the game on the line. And why is it not a very good three four shooter too? That should be brought up. Booze is a good three four shooter. Pretty good fill in in those situations. Um Lamar, the last guy I mentioned it in the group, I think the clipboards and I think the clipboards, I think I don't have to go even more all in to win the championship. They have one first round draft pick they can play that ideally for the road and I would like to get two, but I think the clipboard are kind of a team to watch. They include Brandon Boston Jr., who's a young guy, prospect kinda of like, I want the board to point in some young guys. I don't want them to be collecting first round draft picks. If they offload guys, so I'd like Brandon Boston Jr. in the trade, and then if we we could get the Clipper would have to throw in two or three guys in their rotation to make to get up to the salary, and then I mean the board could flip one or two or maybe even three of those guys and get some draft assets, maybe another young guy for those guys that we get, whether it's uh Robert Cummington or Marcus Morris or Luke Kennard or whoever you want to put in the trade. You know, maybe we could get Terrence Mann at another seat young guy to be there for the rebuild. But, yeah, the, that'll be the team for the world in. And, like I said, I don't think the board should just take the best off at the end of the day, no matter what. If they're not getting good off, we'll just take it into the offseason. You know, the, like I said, the, we have no incentive to tank. No incentive to tank. I don't care if people are like, you should be maximizing your odds. To, like I said, the board... If the Bulls started thinking yesterday, they, they're not going to get to the worst record in the lead. And even if they did, they'll have, still have less than a 50% chance of keeping the pick. And I think the boys will not make the playoffs. So, yeah, it won't be as good a fourth round pick at our fourth round pick. But we'll still have a decent fourth round pick in the kind of middle of the fourth round. That guy didn't come in and lead the rebuild with Io, Dalen Terry, and Packers Williams. So, yeah, the, that's how I feel about it. The... It's weird, you know. I feel like it with a lot of other teams, like the I feel like a lot of people are giving a lot of grace to the Toronto Raptors right now, who by the way the board have pretty much played um Paul is not even a little better than the Toronto Raptors. Uh, the board have played one of the harder schedule in the lead. Um so their schedule have been harder and they were pretty much statistically dead even with the Raptors. But like I said, I'm I'm hanging on by a thread with the board and 
I know give him some grace if they're getting torn around. Like I said, they have one of the easiest dad would left in the league, but they have to start doing it quickly. They need to start winning some of these games against bad teams and keep it up against good teams. And if they can do that, then maybe they can get back into it. But yeah, this just a made up bumble honestly for how the team have played at this point. So so it's kinda of like trade talks with the board. I know that I've been a big fan of the low post. Yeah, I kind of left one Zach work on this podcast a lot. I think the first year, maybe a year and a half, I listened to the pod. He would only talk about the board like once a season. He would bring Nick Fodell on, who's one of my least favorite writers. than Fodell would kind of crap on the board. And even Zach was kind of like, yeah, I feel like you're being way too low on some of these guys. But yeah, but now for the past two weeks, to a pretty we pretty much that low now we're talking about the board that we have a show now that we shock so um he did talk about the board a lot last year in a positive way so i'll give him some credit for that but yeah uh i understand it's gonna be a lot boards trade talk whenever the board or trade in general come up so we have to deal with it and probably don't leak over into the podcast um so thank you everyone for listening and i hope everyone had a happy holiday here then i hope Everyone that would relying on Southwest was able to get another flight to either get home or get to wherever they were going. So uh, I hope everyone had a happy New Year.